Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. It's the first week of, uh, of this new year, and we are in our second week of our new sermon series called Why Though? Why Though? So Why Though is based off a meme. It's Some people just, yeah, the, the millennials will understand, but don't worry about it if you don't understand what that means. Um, but essentially, we're looking at why we do what we do. Why, though? And tonight we're looking at the question, why serve? Why serve? Um, and this is a very important question. And In fact, we could probably look at serving, the idea of serving as a topic for probably several weeks. We could probably ask a whole bunch of questions like, who do we serve? Where do we serve? How should I serve? How do I know what I'm doing? Is that, is that what I'm meant to be doing when I'm serving? Am I serving enough? Am I serving too little? Am I over-serving? How do I not burn out when I'm serving? All these stacks of questions. Um, but asking, asking why, though, is really important, because why, it, but we are emotionally driven beings, right? Purpose drives us. So knowing why is actually really important. And you don't have to be a Christian to know that serving is just a normal part of the Christian, Christian life, right? I, I, I would argue that if you ask most people, uh, even outside the church, if you said that you're a churchy person that goes every week, um, they would say that you probably take that pretty seriously and you probably do something on the side to serve as well, right? Serving is a, it's the lifeblood of the church. Um, and especially if uh, you're part of this church, City Light Church, we're part of this thing called the Acts 29 Network, which is a church planting network dedicated to planting churches that plant churches that plant churches. Right? And so servanthood is naturally in our DNA, right? as it should be for all Christians. But the thing is, like, whether you've been a Christian for a while and you serve, and you've been part of a, or, or you've been part of this church plant for the last year, um, but the thing about serving is that you... If you keep serving, you naturally get into this routine, uh, and we just think that serving is just part of normal part of life. But the routine can sometimes lose its meaning. It can lose its intentionality. It can lose its drive. And instead of joyful service, you, we, we can slowly slip into legalistic, begrudging submission. Or perhaps you're relatively new to the faith. Maybe you, or you haven't been in church for, the, or for a while, and you haven't really served much at all. And you might think, why do I need to serve? There's, there's things getting done without me. I don't I need to step up, right? Or perhaps you're not even a Christian at all, and you might be wondering, why do Christians give up their time to volunteer, to do good things, and to participate in this Christian community thing? Is it to like, is it for the sake of community? Is it for uh, the feeling of belonging? Or is it to make them feel good about themselves? Is it just altruism, that's because, you know, all religiosity is just about altruism, right? Yeah. In fact, on Green Team, the most commonly, que- commonly asked question I got from, from schoolies was, firstly, why do you do this? And secondly, do you get paid to do this? <laughs> so, and these are all va- valid attitudes and questions towards Christianity and serving. But to answer why should we serve, we should probably ask ourselves, what is serving first? So, I'm going to ask you to talk to your neighbor for like 20 seconds. Even if you don't know him, what, if you ask him for 20 seconds, what is serving, and we'll come back. Go. Let's shout out some answers. What is serving? Let's go. 
Anyone? What is serving? Self-sacrifice for the good of the other. Self-sacrifice for the good of the other. Anything else? Doing something without expecting anything in return. Yep. Those are pretty good answers. Those are pretty good answers. Um, the Oxford Dictionary defines serving as performing duties or services for another person or an organization. But in a biblical standpoint, what, is, what, does, it look, what does it look like to serve? What is serving? How does the Bible define, define serving? We know that Jesus... Um, said that he came to not to be served, but to serve in Mark 10. So it's probably a good idea to look at what he did there. If you're not, if you're confused what, about this meme on these, it's like he, this is the Vatican. Well, it's just an image of the Vatican, an, a fake image of the Vatican, and then there's Jesus just dancing. So this is not obviously the kind of serving that we're after in the Bible. <laughs> if you're not sure what that meme is paying homage to, it's, like, it's probably more like dance films from the 2000s, like. You know, you got served? No? Okay, no, okay, fine. Pun, pun was just for me. That's fine. How does the Bible define serving? And more importantly, why should we serve? So what we're going to do today is look at John 3, verses 1 to 17. If you have your Bibles, let's flip open to that and read through that. No, it's John, John 13, not John 3. John 13, my bad. John 13, uh, 1 to 17. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, um, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had wrapped around him. So he um, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You should never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I, do not wash all, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the, the one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you are. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said not all of you are clean. When he, set, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you an example that you also do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for uh, you. Thank you for your word that it is breathed out and that is it's living. Um, I pray, Lord Father, that you help us see what you want us to see. 
Help us understand your gospel. Help us be more like Jesus. Help us to be conformed more to the image of your Son. Um, transform our minds and our hearts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you, you stir our, our affections for you. I pray that you break our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. Um, pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And ask this in your name, for your glory and our joy's sake. Amen. So, what is serving and, and why do we do it? Short answer is Jesus. If, any, if anyone asks you why do something in church, it's always Jesus. That's, just, that's always a number one tip, just do that. But what does that even mean? I believe this text gives us one of the absolute clearest depictions of what it looks like to serve. So let's unpack this together. John 13, um, up to this part of the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus had just finished three years of his ministry. Right? And he was doing miracles, claiming to be God, and he was calling people to believe. This part of John's Gospel is about five hours before the Passion narrative. And that's when Jesus goes to the cross. Um, John's describing... John is describing uh, Jesus' last moments with his disciples, whom he had been pretty close with for the last three years or so. And I don't know about you, if, you, if you're in close proximity with someone for about three years, you, you'd be pretty tight, right? You'd be pretty close. And this is Jesus' last moments with his friends. And you, I, can't, I can't imagine what it would be like to, f- uh, to feel what Jesus was feeling. And then, because Jesus knows everything, Jesus knew uh, firstly, that he was the Son of God. He knew what he was sent to do, and he knew he was about to die. And he knew he was about to take on the wrath of God. And to top tip it all off, he also knew that Jesus, one of his, Judas, one of his, one of his friends, one of his homies, was about to stab him in the back. He was about to throw him under the bus. Now, I don't know how you feel when you feel sick, but I get a bit melodramatic. <laughs> I can't imagine how sickening it would have felt for Jesus at this time. Can you imagine how gut-wrenching that is? How stomach-churning that stress would feel, that burden he would have felt? Jesus might have been fully God, but he was also fully man, and he was definitely subject to emotion. He's about to leave his friends he was about to get backstabbed by Judas, and he was about to suffer the holy, righteous, just wrath of God. I want you to really just imagine this and feel the gravity of this very moment in history. It just gets weightier and weightier and weightier. But what does Jesus do? Jesus lays aside his garments and ties a towel around his waist. Now, you might be thinking, okay, it's, it's the Last Supper-ish time. Uh, Jesus, it's, it's probably cold. It's probably night. Why are you taking off your jacket, bro? Like, clearly, you, you're not hot, man. Man's not hot, right? Why, why are you doing this, Jesus? <laughs> why are you taking off your jacket? <laughs> it might seem unclear to us, but it would have been very clear to the people at the time. Jesus was actually dressing down to take the place of a slave, a servant. It was customary for the owner of the house to have a slave clean the visitor's feet. And not just any slave, but the lowest slave. 
And what does Jesus do? He washes his disciples' feet. All his disciples. And for some of us, we might be thinking, okay, washing feet, that can't be bad, right? It's not too much of a big deal. If you've got a bucket and a towel, you just, just rinse and repeat, just get out, right? Um, I don't know about you, but we live in a society with fairly clean roads. Uh, we have good general just hygiene practices. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to clean anyone else's feet before or even touches someone else's feet after they've walked. Uh, personal anecdote here, if you don't know, I work as a physiotherapist uh, in musculoskeletal practice, um, and feet is always a dicey situation for me. I hate feet. <laughs> um, because, like, literally, one of, the, one of the worst experiences of my professional career, um, obviously no names, because, you know, private patient confidentiality and stuff, but I had a person come from the gym, and they were, uh, my practice is underneath the gym, and they were, had gone for a run for about 30, 40 minutes, and they were like, oh, man, um, Andrew, I, I'm coming. I've just gone for a run and stuff. I've been getting this pain on my heel for, like, the last three to four weeks. Um, it's... It's, I've just gone for a run, and it really hurts, man. Can you ever look at it? And I'm like, are you, are you serious? You, you, just, you just went for a run, and you want me to look at your feet. And I can, like, legit, it was the nastiest, sweatiest, like, it smelled, it was horrendous. Like, thank you, Jesus, for air freshener, right? And, like, if you're a podiatrist out there and you're listening to this, mad respect for you, because I don't know how you do it, man. That's, it was nasty. <laughs> and imagine... How humiliating it is to clean the feet of Jewish men who have been on the road all day. That road grime, though. <laughs> and Jesus cleaned all his disciples' feet, including Judas. I don't know about you, but if someone was about to backstab me, and I knew, no way in hell I'm going to touch that first foot. <laughs> doesn't sound very smart. It's not very self-preserving. It just sounds like insult to injury. I want to just take a break from the narrative for a sec. Let's just, take, let's just step back for a bit. For a bit. Um, here we have the ruler of the universe, the omniscient, all-knowing son of God, of infinite worth and value, king of all kings, the one who is most deserving to have his feet cleaned first. Counts... It is nothing and humbles himself to a position of a slave to clean his disciples' feet. That's outrageous. That's scandalous. That is so contrary to, to natural human thinking. And here we have the clearest pictures of what biblical servanthood looks like. Christian servanthood is not just fulfilling a duty, it's not just doing a good work, it's not just performing a service. From Jesus' example, it is clear that Christian servanthood must be humble and sacrificial. Biblical serving is out of this world. It's so much so that it has the potential to, conf- to confuse people. You, you even see that confusion in Simon Peter in verse 6. Lord, why do, do you wash my feet? And Jesus replies to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. This is what true biblical servanthood looks like. But within this, here and within this particular scene right now, it's a problem. Serving the way Jesus serves, it is 
hard. It is extremely hard. And sadly, in most churches, even evangelical ones, perhaps ones that you might have previously been in, or even in your own study, we see this Jesus washing the feet of his disciples as a slave, and we think, or we get told, that this is the moral of the story, that we have to try to humble ourselves and serve like this. That just, it's just me, no? People have heard that before, right? We have to, this is the moral of the story. We have to humble ourselves and serve like this. Have to. I know when I first encountered this story back in Sunday school, uh, it came off as like, um, be nice to everyone and help people because it's the right thing to do. And I've been guilty of, of this, of propagating this story like this. But if we take from this particular narrative, if this is all we take home, this quote-unquote moral of the story, serving just becomes another thing that we just do. And to do it the way that Jesus does it, it's actually crushing. We look at this example and the lengths that Jesus goes to to clean his disciples' feet, and we... and. We must ask ourselves, can we honestly say we're willing to go that far? To that kind of extreme? I think a lot of us look at this example of Jesus and we either have two reactions here. We have, yeah man, we have to do it because Jesus did it, right? Or, no nah, man, I think uh, that serving looks like a lot, of, a lot of hard work. I'm just not going to even try at all. And this is, this is a very, very subtle point here, and you might think it's semantics and, and all wording, but um, I, I think this is really actually important. Um, I've heard that some people, and even some pastors say, that Jesus came to show us a better way of life. And to some degree, this is true. Jesus did live the perfect life, right? He did live the perfect life. But his life was not merely a demonstration of how we should just live our lives. The life that Jesus lived was profoundly more significant than that. If you've heard this before, Jesus came to show us a better way of life, um, and this is your full understanding of Christianity, I don't think you may actually know the true and full meaning of the gospel. I'm not saying this is, this is your intent or that, that was the person that taught you, that was their intent as well, but I don't think it's the full gravity of the gospel to just live as Jesus did. Um, if our total understanding of Christian serving is to be looked through the lens of Jesus came, us, came to show us a better way of living, then I would argue then that the default position and response of us as humans, right, is to look at Jesus and say, like, okay, if Jesus said this is how you should live, um, I can totally live up to that. I can totally live this out. It's a better way to live, right? And Jesus showed me that I can do it, right? However, it becomes a very slippery slope when we start to measure ourselves against how much we serve or how well we serve. We begin to justify ourselves by our works. And if we say that Christians should serve because it's the right thing to do, then we've missed what it means to actually serve as a Christian. 
If we say the reason that we should serve as Christians is because Jesus showed us a better way to live, we've missed out on full, authentic Christianity. It's kind of like having, no offense, a white person cook me Vietnamese food. Like, I've seen some YouTube tutorials, and like, I've seen some YouTube tutorials of people trying to cook pho, and like, they've like they cook the broth okay, and then I, this is one this is one guy who just slams in all these veggies and greens. I'm like, oh, dude, what did you just do? I see, all I see is veggies. I only seen the broth, bro. Like that that's no longer authentic Vietnamese food. <laughs> and just because Jesus lived as the perfect man, it does not mean that that Christianity is simply just about a better way to live. And for our post-Christian uh, postmodern culture, and perhaps some of us, this is perplexing. Heck, even it was perplexing for Simon Peter. He didn't understand. Um, if we go back to uh, verse six to nine, let's read that. Let's read through that. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "Lord, do you wash my feet?" Jesus answered him, "What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand." Peter said to him, "You shall never wash my feet." Jesus answered him. If I not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Who is Simon Peter? He's spent three years with Jesus, and he still doesn't get it. Jesus is about to die on the cross, and he still doesn't get it. Notice how Peter is so brash and arrogant. You will never wash my feet. Never's pretty emphatic, bro. And it's interesting that literally like a few sentences later, he backflips and says, like, wash me, my body is ready. <laughs> but here's the crux of that interaction. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. What Jesus is doing here when washing his feet, it goes beyond what the feet washing. What Jesus is actually trying to do in this episode, in this little bit of John, he's trying to point them to the gospel. Jesus is, is doing and is saying, um, in his doing and is saying, he is actually foreshadowing what is happening in the next five hours. And we have the benefit of obviously reading John's gospel and knowing what happens in the end. Jesus is at this point in time pointing to the way in which he will ultimately serve his disciples. Jesus might be washing their feet, but he is ultimately pointing them to the way he's going to save them by taking on their sins, by washing them clean and making them righteous in the eyes of God. Let's break for a sec. Um, when we look at Simon Peter in this small interaction with Jesus, it's, it's, it's easy to kind of just like shake your head at, at Peter and say, like, bro, what are you doing? But if we're honest, if we're real, we're just like Simon Peter. We can be just as misguided in our attitudes towards Jesus as Simon Peter was. When it comes to Jesus having served us, we see kind of Two extremes in terms of responses. And this is just my general observation, but I kind of see these two happening a lot. Um, firstly, we either think um, that we don't need Jesus because we're, we're better than, we don't need him, um, and we're better than that, and because we've got it all figured out. And or the other extreme is 
um, we actually take up his grace and then we say, it doesn't actually matter how we live because God's already saved me, right? And in this first extreme with the um, uh, Jesus, you'll never wash me kind of idea, um, it's, it's pretty easy to slip into uh, because we kind of, sometimes some of us may disguise it in the way that like we say, uh, Jesus might be too good for us, uh, I don't want him to wash me because he's just too good for me. But actually what you're saying, what you're actually saying, the, the subtext of what you're saying is you're actually prideful against God and that you don't need him to serve you because you think you're better than him. The reality, the reality is that we, we do this and no matter how many try, um, no matter how many try to, uh, to deny or anything, um, we say that we're better than God when we, when we put away, push away his grace. We're, we're so used to having to earn our favor in our, with people in our achievement-based culture that we bring this way of relating to people to God. And the opposite extreme is just as easy to slip into. Jesus has saved me. That's it. No more striving. The legal requirement is done. I can do whatever I want now. But Scripture is also quite clear that when we are saved, we are no longer belong to ourselves when we're saved, we are plucked from the kingdom of darkness and, and put into the kingdom of light. 1 Corinthians 6 puts it this way, You are not your own, but you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We exist to serve God. It's interesting to note that the Bible is full of Bible verses instructing us to serve God. And I'm just going to just list a whole stack here. John 12, 26, um, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Psalm 2.11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. 1 Samuel 12.24, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Matthew 20, um, but whoever would be great among you must, serve, uh, must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And on and on we could go. But Scripture is also quite clear that although we serve God, we cannot say that we pay Him back with our service for what He has done. Acts 17.25 puts it this way, Nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, talking about God, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God doesn't need your service. He doesn't need your service to complete him. If he needed it, he wouldn't be God. Mark 10, and Mark 10.45 puts it plainly, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christian servanthood should not be born out of a sense of rightful duty. It's not to be born out of a need for our egos to be stroked. It's not done simply for good altruistic vibes. It's not, when, it's not born out of a hope that when you serve someone, it will be reciprocated to you. But rather, it is humble and sacrificial, looking for nothing in return. All right, these things aren't necessarily bad things to hope for when we're serving, but they shouldn't be the things that drive us to serve. Conversely, when we look at serving like Jesus, we shouldn't just shrug off serving because it appears too costly 
or that it may put me in a lowly position. It's not very gratifying. Or it conflicts with my desires. I don't get to do what I want to do. Or because it leaves me vulnerable and the mercy of those who I'm serving. We serve because Jesus has served us by giving himself. Jesus didn't merely show us a better way to live. Jesus lived the perfect life and died in our place in order that we might live. Which leads me back into the text today. Let's read from 12 to 17. Um, When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. So I am. And if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do, no, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them, if you do them. The question that really sticks out in this last part part of the passage is, do we understand? Do we really grasp what Jesus has done for us? At this moment in history, the disciples at the time thought they were just getting their feet washed. But Jesus was actually hinting to the fact that he was going to die for them. Do we, with all this hindsight, really grasp what Jesus has done for us? He hasn't just merely washed our feet. Last time I checked, my feet haven't been washed by Jesus. But he has done way more than that for me. Do we truly understand the gospel? Has the gospel changed us, not just in our actions, but in our hearts and our minds? Has, it really ca- has Jesus really captured your, your heart's affections and desires? And if that hasn't happened, how do we even get to a place where we can serve humbly and sacrificially? It's, you can't just will it. It's so hard to do. If you want to talk about the most humble and sacrificial act of service to ever happen in the history of mankind, it wasn't a peasant man from Galilee becoming a leader of a group of Jewish men and washing their feet. But rather, it was the king of the universe who leaves perfect communion with himself, becomes a man and stays a man, dwells among his creation that rejected him in the beginning, lives a perfect life, freely gives up his righteousness for our sin, and willingly gives up himself for communion with him. All well full knowing that we could either reject him or accept it and never be able to pay him back for it. Let that sink in. Think of the cost it, think of what it costed Jesus to save us. We just celebrated the incarnation at Christmas. Think of that. Think of the perfection of Jesus. Think of how precious he is. We look, the way we serve 
is by looking at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is where our motivation for serving should come from. Christian servanthood is the overflowing of savoring Jesus for all he is. In fact, Jesus said it himself. In verse 14, if I then your brother, and if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If Jesus has served us by washing away our sins, we ought to serve one another, should we not? Philippians 2, 4-9 puts it much more eloquently than I can. Let each of you look not only to his interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being, being found in a human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. When we serve, our service points to Jesus. Especially when we serve each other. Later on, a little bit later in John 13, and verses 40, 34, to 30, 34 to 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's also good to know that Jesus knows that when we we also serve humbly and sacrificially, that it might mean that we get looked down by others. And he, he, he reiterates that in verse, in verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. But what does he say in 17? He says, if you know these things, under the pretense of serving, blessed are you if you do them. If we know that we're at risk, and you see it, we still sacrificially serve, Jesus says we are blessed. You might be thinking like, well, if I, if, if I serve someone and someone spits me back on the face, that doesn't sound very blessed, does it? But when we see, if we see Jesus for all he is, if we hold on to Christ as our ultimate treasure, if we consider him to be the soul satisfying our all in all, then we have nothing that we lack if we have him. And that freely hum, uh, freely uh, frees us up to humbly sacrificially serve like Christ and it puts on display the, it puts on display to the world that we have an inexhaustible will of life within us that is how we are blessed we can let go of being lower than others we can let go of our insecurities of when we serve humbly we can let go of our desires of what we want to do for our own selves because we know we are blessed because we have Jesus first peter 4:11 puts it this way whoever serves let it be as one who serves by the strength that god supplies in order that in everything god might be glorified through christ through jesus christ John Piper puts it this way. God is seen as glorious when all our serving is moment by moment receiving from God's supply. When Jesus is our all in all, God is our 
You know, God is glorified in that. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean, Andrew? We've been talking for like 35, 40 minutes now. This is not a plug for ministries, but we all have time and talent. Um, and there are so many different opportunities to serve, whether it be like the City Light Compassion trip that's coming up, Red Frogs, Green Team, Coffee Ministry, Food Ministry, Hospitality, Tech, Worship, Prayer, uh, Welcome Team. These are concrete, programmatic, churchy things. Um, that's something to think about, absolutely, for sure. But I want to put it to you that serving is not just a program or an activity by the church. Even serving within your DG, I think that's probably the best way to, to do it. You know, when you bear one another's burdens, whether that be physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Showing the family that God has given you. Showing them the unconditional, humble and sacrificial love that Christ has already shown you. That's something to think about. That's how we could serve. We are emotionally driven people and our affections drive us. So instead of asking ourselves, why should we serve in 2018? I want to ask you to ask yourselves, do, we re- do I hold, do we hold Jesus as the ultimate treasure and su- most supreme thing in our lives? Let's look to Jesus as we serve in 2018. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for, uh, for Jesus. Um, thank you for his uh, example of washing feet, but uh, more ultimate than that, the uh, example that he has given us in, uh, in dying for us. You've given us relationship with you. You've given us yourself. Um, I pray that you know that when we communion with you, that we don't forget who you are or what you've done for us. I pray that the the gravity of the gospel really hits us hard and actually changes us. Um, I pray that you change our hearts, desires, and affections for you. Um, let's not try to just serve out of, like a, um, out of a sense of duty, but I pray, Lord, that you motivate us by your love, by your grace, by Jesus. pray that you be supreme in our lives and that you be our vision. Just thank you for Jesus again and pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.